Hi, all, and welcome back to Dame It All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, live from freezing fucking cold North Dakota. That's where I am currently. It feels to me that 2020 has officially begun. I'm here for some research for 2020, but i um, glad to be joining Tracy from abroad. And I'm Tracy Dietz, and we miss you in the studio today. I'm even drinking beer without you, which is Good weird. For you. I know. Yeah. Where, where, is North Dakota actually a state? Like, what is it? Is that a thing? Like, is there like <laughs> no, politics for, there? I'm just it's for Yes, it is. And, and, and there's no longer a Democratic senator from here, unfortunately. But there is a bunch of research about marijuana legalization, like we talked last week. It's, you know, that it passed in a couple of places in 2018 and, and hopefully will start to pass in conservative states. So just getting the research ball rolling. Maybe that's what we should all be investing in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you yes. think we, we can get into support politics? This- we should get a podcast this podcast no, no, yeah. no. we'd have to talk a lot <laughs> instead of doing wine tastings we'd have to do like pot tastings i feel like that, that would be really definitely interesting <laughs> <laughs> but i do want to point out tracy deets that it's looking like kirsten cinema is going to pull that shit out in arizona it does look like that you're gonna have to take it back i know i, I i'm <laughs> They're still counting votes, but I think you're right. I think she's going to win it. Did you see the the thing that came out in Politico today written by former rep Jason Lewis that said that the GOP lost the House because of John McCain? What? Yes. No, I didn't see right. that. And he said that the vote against Obamacare called, or the vote to repeal it, caused an influx of Democratic special interest money. And I don't entirely know how that would be the case if he was... Voting to not repeal Obamacare, how did that cause more money from the Democrats? Anyway, it was a little bizarre. There's been a lot of chatter on my side about it. And um, yeah, it I feel like crazy. John, I think that the special interest groups were going to come in about the health care vote either way, just because our polling showed that protecting access to quality, affordable health care was a really good testing message on our side. And John McCain was certainly voting against. A whatever it was, the ADHC. What the, the right. do you know the name of the Republican bill? It's four letters. I can't remember what it is right, right now. But what what I what I've been reading on the left is basically all members of Congress that all Republican members of Congress that authored the tax bill have basically none of them got reelected. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just it just clarifies on my side that we are we are not we are not above kicking a dead man just because. Oh God! Oh my God! You know, it's, yeah. I don't I don't know. I was I'm really pissed off by that. Like I just have a huge issue with with that. But yeah. Anyway. So this week will be fun. We're not going to talk a huge amount about politics, but we are going to talk start kick it off talking a little bit about Michelle Obama who comes out with her memoir. It's available to the public tomorrow, but it's been out and released to publications and getting really great reviews in just the way she approached writing it. So it's not unique for, you know, and a former first lady to write a memoir. That's not a surprising thing. But the way she wrote it, apparently, and just from reviews and excerpts that I've read, it's, it, it reads, it's much more personal. It's sort of not like the chattering class. It's not like inside gossip. It's a real story of exploration about how she ended up in the White House. And she's a pretty, she has incredibly high approval ratings. Like everybody likes her. Even Tracy Dietz. I do. I mean, in in from what you've said about this memoir, because I've obviously not read a ton about it. I mean, it just sounds like a beautiful story, written from a real perspective, where she talks about you know the goods and bads of 
life in general, the goods and bads of marriage. Not that there's anything bad with being married. <laughs> Greg Deeds, I love you more than life. <laughs> but having kids and raising kids and sort of, I guess, living in the White House has got to be really freaking hard in general. And I'm certain it was more difficult being the first African-American woman in that role as well. Yeah, she writes it in three parts. So the book is called Becoming, and the three parts are Becoming Me, Becoming Us, and Becoming More. So it's like the three chapters of her life. And yeah, I guess, as she describes it, she had a very, very hard time getting pregnant. Both Emily and Sasha were conceived using in vitro fertilization, and she had miscarriage along the way. So that is pretty open, more open personally than I would say other sort of outgoing POTUSes or FLOTUSes have talked about and how when the girls were young, her and Barack Obama had to go to marriage counseling because it's hard to have young kids and busy lives. And she never really loved politics. She never wanted to do politics, but she fell in love with this man named Barack Obama who did and how that journey sort of happens. And it's sort of nice to see these kinds of people through a personal lens. I don't know. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. She she was great. I mean, I, I it, it's interesting because I always... Thought I was going to be a career woman that never got married and wasn't going to have kids and was going to live my life a certain way. And then I met Greg Dietz and she changed <laughs> all of that. And it sounds like it was probably something similar for her. Like she fell madly in love and yeah, he wanted to do politics and she said, all right. It's also pretty telling that this, with the release of this book, it's pretty clear that she's not contemplating a run for president in 2020, which I think those of us that pay a lot of attention to politics did not expect that she would. But, you know, there's all these sort of internet fans that would love a Michelle Obama ticket. But she says, she's like, I don't want to do politics. It's not an arena that fits my passions or or inspirations. I think the other really interesting thing about Michelle Obama's first lady is before Michelle Obama, all the first ladies sort of had had followed some rules about what it looks like and how it should be to be a first lady. You know, she got a lot of flack early in her first and in the Obama's first term for wearing sleeveless shirts. She got a lot of flack for She had those arms. Right? <laughs> like why would you not wear sleeveless shirts with those arms? Yeah. Name a and former like, first lady that had arms like that. Right? Like nobody, nobody, but it's super interesting that the current first lady, Melania Trump, is somebody that came out of the fashion world to start. So, you know, playing what ifs is not not useful, but sometimes fun. Like what if we'd gone right from, you know, Mrs. Bush to Melania? Would there have been as much backlash to a beautiful first lady that, you know, dresses more fashionably than others? Probably. I mean, there's been a lot of ton of backlash to both of them. Yeah. It seems everybody was obsessed with what Michelle Obama wore and obsessed with what Melania wears. So I feel like I don't read that much about other than when she wore the jacket, which was, you know, silly. Silly that she wore it or silly that everybody lost their shit over it? Silly that she wore it. Like think, why would you yeah. why would you open yourself up to that? That just seems like you know what I mean? Just you if you know you're a divisive White House, why would you open yourself up to something yeah, so I still, easy because i think she was saying fuck you to him either way she right. was making a statement either way yeah but i you know i think the interesting thing about the first lady is she, apparently according to the reviews a lot of that feedback she was internalizing being feedback about her race as much as about her style and she sort of describes it as 
her, the perception of her was on the extremes. People either idolized them because they were the first African-American, you know, White House and how much progress that shows or hated them for it. There was sort of no like easy, normal opinion about their race. Sorry. That's okay. I was just going to say it inspired like significant emotion was never just sort of normal. Do you think she feels different about like all of the the backlash or the positive or whatever in regard, regards to fashion? Do you think she feels differently now that Melania is getting the crap beat out of her over what she wears? No, you know, I think that she, at least from the little, apparently, according to the book, she, she quickly talks about Donald Trump only in that he, um, According to her perception, he really like carried on the birther conspiracy, which opened up her family for um, to be a target of yeah. violence. And that she she says in the book, she'll never forgive Donald Trump for that. But then when she was asked about Melania Trump in an interview, she said, you know, do you can you um, relate when Melania says she's the most bullied person in the country? Michelle Obama said, I can't really. I really went out of my way to try not to think about myself when I was in the White House because I was always surrounded by other people, by military families, by people in need, that that it was easier for me just to sort of think about other people and just not sort of dig in about myself. So she was she really tried hard not to sort of relate herself to the current first lady. Right. Well they are very different. So I have one question because I have to throw a wrench in everything. Yeah. So you're extremely progressive and you believe that women rule. I do too. <laughs> are you how do you feel about the fact that Michelle Obama wasn't really interested in politics, but sort of went along with what her husband wanted? Yeah. So there is a quote from one of her interviews and and she says, quote, as soon as I allowed myself to feel anything for Barack, the feelings came rushing a toppling blast of lust, gratitude, fulfillment and wonder. So I think that I, th- I think that what she did was say, I'm in this partnership with a highly ambitious, politically minded man, and I'm going to find space for myself inside of that dream. And I think that she made a lot of her time in the White House and is making a lot of her time post-presidency. So, you know, I think there is a big difference between giving up on yourself to just do what your husband wants or finding mutual ambition inside of a marriage. And to me, it seems like that's what she did. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I feel like there will be an argument for something similar to that in the future, and you will disagree with me on. I'm it sure because <laughs> it'll be a Republican of some sort that chose not to continue her law career or continue to do something, or like Kellyanne Conway, not wanting to be a chief of staff in the White House because she loved her husband and she wanted to spend more time with her husband and her kids, and so she passed on that big job because you yelled at me about that. I was like, that was bullshit. Well, I don't so. know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a, a real thing, but I don't know that I ever heard that Michelle Obama gave a big gave a career up so that Barack could have a career. She, you know what I mean? I mean? Like, she I was think, a lawyer, and she clearly was not was a lawyer, lawyer yeah. when she was in the White House, <laughs> right? So, well, I don't know. Yeah, she, not a practicing attorney. Yeah, correct. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. You're probably right. I I hope that I'm not so partisan that I turn a blind eye in the way that you just described, I might, but I'm just giving you some shit to call me out. Yeah. 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 Next time I do it, call me out You know, in the moment. Look at us. Um, Look at us getting along. It's like that (laughs) SNL skit where Pete Davidson apologized and Dan Crenshaw like came on and they all made up. If you guys have not watched that, you have to watch that. Did you see that Kelly? I don't, 
No, I don't think so. Oh, my God. So Pete Davidson made a joke last week about Den Crenshaw, who was a Republican in running for the House. Oh, like a veteran, right? Yes, in Texas. He's Republican. And he made fun of the fact that he wears an eye patch because he lost his eye in an IED explosion on his third tour in Afghanistan. And he made a really bad joke about it. And then so this week he totally apologized. And then Dan Crenshaw was actually on the episode. And in the midst of all of it, like, so they apologize, they make up and they're like, you know, are we good? And then Dan Crenshaw's phone starts ringing and it's Ariana Grande's song. Like, believe. I mean, it was just, it was epic. If anybody has not watched that, you have to watch it. It is just both sides... One, you know, so it was the Republican being like, you know what, you made a, a bad joke. It wasn't that big of a deal. And it was, you know, somebody obviously on the left, Pete Davidson, that basically realized he made a very tasteless joke and was like, you know what, I made a bad joke. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have done it. It was just it was good. It was good. It made me feel good about the world for 25 seconds. Yeah, I think, you know, SNL gets a lot of shit for how far they push, you know, how how comedy and real life interact interface or whatever but then i read i didn't see it but i will but i read a bunch of stuff about how this was too far and that they needed to make good and all that kind of stuff so i'm glad that they did yeah you should totally watch it It, it's hysterical anyway will do will do so unbeknownst to me it is we're either currently in national baby wearing awareness month or week or something but there was this amazing article going around about a meteorologist who did the weather report while wearing a sleeping baby on her back and not a, a, a t- like a I don't know maybe in their in the baby was in its twos and the idea was that she had to bring the baby to work that day and before she went to do the report he was fussy and so there's a video of her you know slinging them all sl- of her slinging them all up on on her back and then doing the whole weather report while he's sound asleep on her back and i just think that is so fucking cool yeah so this is a thing that i feel like has been going on for a really long time and i took charlie to a campaigns and elections event in 2011 and she was probably 8 weeks old strapped to me and went and walked around the whole conference for like 5 or 6 hours with her strapped where? to me. Uh, it was at the Washington Marriott. Did you say where? No, I said you were wearing her. I was wearing her because I was nursing. And I mean, I couldn't be super far away. So I did that. And then that. Charlie's soccer coach, whose son was four months old, her daughter played on Charlie's soccer team. She would literally come to practices with this baby strapped to her. <laughs> and there were lots of moms that were like, listen, you want us to take the kid? Like, we'll all hold the kid. And she's like, "Ah, he's fine. I'll just run around with him. Because babies like that. Like, they just go to sleep. They're happy. They feel like they're in utero because they're moving around. Like, it's the same kind of that same kind of cuddly feeling. So I, I, that was like my favorite thing was just to strap a kid to me. Like that's how you made them do whatever you wanted them to do, which was usually like be quiet and hang out when they're babies. I used to love to wear them too. And the, over the weekend, Lyle fell sound asleep on my chest lap on the couch. And it was like, he just laid there for like sound asleep for like 45 minutes. And that sort of feeling comes back. I mean, he is five and giant. So there's no like wearing him or carrying him or whatever. But that like feeling of just like your kid just out on you is a really, gosh, it really is a good feeling. I never took my, I never really took my kids any place work. I mean, my office has always, always been just like two or three people. So 
in need, they have come there, but not like out into the world. So I feel like that's, I don't know, I like the sort of optics of that. So this is a great story. So I took both of my kids to CPAC one year and it was on a Saturday. So it was like the very last day and I had to like close up the L2 booth or whatever and get that all taken down and packed up. And so I had Charlie strapped to me and I had Addison who may have been three at the time, um, <laughs> like just going around talking to people. And at some point, like Sarah, she hears Sarah Palin's name and our nanny's daughter had taught her some things about Sarah Palin. And so <laughs> she's like, Sarah Palin, she can see Russia from her house. <laughs> I was like, not, this is not the right audience for that. You can't don't do that. And what she did also say is that when someone said Obama, she's like, stop taking my money, Obama. <laughs> oh, God. That was better. That was that was grandma. Grandma probably taught her that. They, anyway, it was awesome. They overhear so much stuff. Wear your kids yeah, and take them with you. It is amazing how much stuff they overhear. Absolutely. So who is the guy who does like the singing show in the UK who's a real dick? Niles something oh. or do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He's like the Simon Cowell, but like of who is also oh, British, but the other yes, guy, the other yes. like dicky guy. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, anyway, yes. apparently, apparently some famous man on Twitter where there was a picture of him wearing his kid and that guy wrote back about like, oh, you're, you're letting your wife emasculate you. Like you give the kid back to your wife. Well, all, men can't wear those things. And he went on and then there was like this whole Twitter storm of all these men posting pictures and videos of them wearing their kids. And like, then the guy doubled down about how emasculating it all is. And it was like this whole big sort of, well, not big flesh in the pan, but a dialogue about men wearing kids. And I was, you know, I was like, bring it, do it. Are you talking about Nigel Lithgow? So goofy. Yes. From So You Think You Can Dance? Yes. 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 That's ridiculous. He's a douche for sure. Also, speaking of douchebags, this week's, segment which we're now calling the button, the button. <laughs> button, button. who's got button the button, button. <laughs> apparently a whole bunch of douchebags in japan so at a tokyo medical university there was a scandal a while back of the school changing the scores of female applicants and male applicants to make the men's scores higher and the women's scores lower because they wanted to matriculate more men through their medical school because women have to leave when they want to have kids. They have to take a a small break from practicing medicine and they didn't want to be known as a school that had doctors that dropped out. I mean, don't they know women can just strap babies to themselves? I know. Wouldn't it be easier if that was the real thing there? But the school, like the school got basically found out and now they're, sort of offering those women places retroactively, which doesn't really make much sense, right? They 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 probably chose something else after right. the I, fact. This is just shitty. Like, I don't know what to... Like, I feel like there is absolutely nothing you and I are going to disagree with on this topic <laughs> other than this is fucked up. Like, I, I don't... What the hell, right? Like, and I feel like Japan is... I don't know. Like, it's not China, <laughs> right? Like, it should be better than this. Not well, that every, China's bad. I mean, yeah, you ev- know. Everybody should be better at this. I mean, I think the crazy part about it is, is this weird thought path or notion or whatever that somehow because women have the babies, they may, they're worse at whatever profession. And I, I don't have it at my fingertips, but I'm sure there's all sorts of information about the benefits of having female 
doctors. I don't know if just because we have babies, it makes us worse at, at jobs. I mean, I think having babies requires time off, right? right. Like it's, I mean, I don't want to say it is a distraction because that would be that, that would be making the statement that having a kids is a, is a negative thing to do. But yeah, I just, I mean, I, I, they're going to go to med school. I mean, this is just so dumb. Like they're going to go to med school. They're eventually going to become a doctor. They'll have a baby and they'll figure it out. I mean, my doctor had twins. I mean, I just saw her today. She's doing great. Her kids are like 12, right? Like she's fine. I also think there's men and women that have different demeanors and there are benefits of having female doctors and male doctors. So it's like, I think that if, if you weigh the pros and cons, there's probably more pros to female doctors than cons of female doctors. And this one school was just like, fuck it. We don't like the risk. So we're going to break all the rules and just be total dicks. Women doctors have smaller fingers, which are good for uh, okay. lots of things. I mean, I have oh. to imagine that men probably prefer when they're getting their prostates checked out. <laughs> <laughs> Richard is horrified right now. Uh, it needed to be said to all I'm of our little, men listeners, get a, a, get a female doctor. <laughs> but so apparently they're trying to fix fix the system, which I mean, good for them. But I, I think that this week's Stupid shit and the button is a combo pack segment. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So there is this, there was this cool article in the New York Times about a a sort of a group, an organized group of women that get together to talk and they have created it so it's intergenerational. So started by this this woman conversation with some some older women who thought that they felt invisible. So from the article quote there, these, these were all women who had college degrees, were married or had a significant other who were well-traveled and led very nice lifestyles, but every one of them felt invisible. They felt invisible when they saw themselves in the mirror. They didn't feel pretty any longer. No, nobody was looking at them. So I find that to be like a very interesting point of conflict for women. So like we, we talk so much about unwanted attention, about being hopefully changing culture where people don't just tell you how they feel about your looks or what they want to do with you or to you because of your looks and that that shouldn't matter. But here's a group of women who have aged and are no longer receiving any sort of external attention. And that somehow makes them feel invisible. I think that is a really sort of cerebral, crazy thing to actually think about. So it would be awesome if we had a group that would do that would get together and talk about, like on a girls' night out, like get somebody from every generation. And and I've spent some time with my mom's friends before, and they are crazy and awesome. And honestly, there's really nothing better than spending some time with women in their 60s and 70s because they do have a very different perspective. But it's interesting that we spend most of our young adulthood bitching about men uh, saying things to us or catcalling us or being inappropriate. And then I guess we'll spend a lot of our you know, later years complaining that they don't do that. Right. It just, I wonder, I wonder where that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's absolutely, I think, hard to age as a woman. And, and I have started to find that to be true even now. And I'm not even that old, but I think you run through, I mean, we've talked about the jealousy factor from older women that are jealous of younger women and it's a thing. And I, 
I don't know how I don't know how we get past that. And it sucks that they feel invisible and because it's all about I mean, if they feel invisible, is it about male attention as a whole? Or maybe we need to start prepping women earlier. Like you don't need male attention. Right. Yeah. So at least this article sort of dis- ex- explores it from two sides. So this was th- th- this was a group of women describing that sensation about about nobody seeing them anymore and whether or not they're seeing them for just physical attributes or also for being um, a useful and participatory member of a conversation or an exploration. If you're a retired person, how does that sort of translate? But the the remedy from the woman that was that started this it started as a website first called honeygood.com, which was to offer advice on everything from pedicures to the stock market to grandparenting. So it was sort of like a lifestyles website, but for women of a certain age. And that, that grew into an in-person gathering. Um, I think the organization is called Moxie and they have, they have chapters across the country. And one was described a meeting in Chicago was described where the guests ranged from 29 years old to 93 years old. Wow. And they talk, you know, the, 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 the opportunity to talk about anything was on the table. I guess there was just one rule, which is, you know, what you say in the house stays in the house, which is, you know, just sort of good, good housekeeping anyway. But imagine what a 29 year old woman can learn from a 93 year old woman in, in, in navigating challenging circumstances or working through early relationship situations or planning on having kids or whatever it is. Like there's just so much life lessons learned in that amount of time that to come across, to find a space that's easy and safe and come across a woman that you can just ask questions of young or old, you know, and there's probably a lot of questions the 93 year old has for the 29 year old about technology or platforms or the way people communicate or whatever it is. It's just, I think, find it to be, it must be so gratifying those experiences. I feel like we have to get a group together to do this. I almost want to like do it as part of the podcast. I don't even know. Like we need like three <laughs> hours. Imagine, can you yeah. imagine? Like we literally could all go to a bar and start drinking and talk for five hours. It feels like it. I don't know how many, like I don't know the structure of the groups, like how many people go and is it group conversation or is it independent conversations? It's probably a little bit of everything. But I agree when I go home to Buffalo and have some time with my my folks and their friends, the conversation is always really, really interesting. Now, it's interesting on my part. It's interesting from a political perspective because my my parents are Republicans and my dad is a conservative Republican and a lot of their friends are. So there is a lot of respect respectful conversation about partisan things. But then there's also just like tell me about what it's like to be at a small consulting company in Washington D.C. Like how does that work these days or what technology do you use? And then they tell you sort of old war stories about their um, their days on the road or whatever it is. And it's always just like it's really fun. It's really fun and really fulfilling. So my mom and her friends always, every time I leave, I'm like, you know what? It's going to be pretty good to get old because they all live pretty (laughs) awesome. Like they hang out, they get together, they play cards, they go out to dinner, they play, you know, games out at the condo, they go hang out at the pool. I'm like, this is probably not a bad gig where you're not working and just having fun. Like it's nice. You and I already decided that you know, if both of our husbands kick the bucket, then we're sharing a room in a retirement community. So that, that would will be, be amazing. Funny. It will <laughs> we'll still be like, bitching about politics. Podcast technology will be like way out, like way out done by them, but we'll still be recording our podcast on like a laptop, which is like the, probably the equivalent to some sort of like 
like a track tape or something. And you we'll know, be just, doing it by the pool because I will not care what I look like up in a swimsuit. I will give zero fucks by then. You'll be the one like, you know, slathering yourself in coconut oil with like the tinfoil <laughs> reflector thing in front of you. Yeah. I feel I mean, like the tinfoil comment was like also direct about like temple hats. I feel like you just made <laughs> made a joke about that. No, but you know cool. what I mean. That I thing do. that people hold to reflect the sun so they can fry faster. I thought they just put it under their legs so the back of their legs would get tan. Like no, while they're I... like sitting with like their legs up. So you get the <laughs> Have back you seen of... people do that? Yeah. You sit on like a... Underneath their legs? Yeah. With their legs like propped up. Like their their feet are like pulled back toward their behinds. That is not something I've seen. I'm going to be like the crazy, the crazy old lady like with like white linen from head to toe, like a white linen hat and a white linen sweater and white linen pants just because, you know, I'm just going to be weird, I feel like. I'll just be a slut. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I'll, I'll be in charge of your day book at the retirement community <laughs> time like your dance card <laughs> first off our husbands are not going to kick the bucket they're going to be great they're going to live forever but oh yeah i don't know yeah well, probably i make well, i make I great go so. run so <laughs> um but yeah we should if we were going to do in, like an, an intergenerational group we'd have to figure out who we wanted to put on there It'll be fun. fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was fun. I'm so sad that you weren't here, but I know. Well, I'm I'm glad you're there and not here because (laughs) it's very cold here. We have so much fun in North Dakota. (laughs) Would we? I mean, if we were going to take a girls' trip, it would have to be it would not better place. I find correct. It would not be North Dakota. No, (laughs) North Dakota where it's cold. Absolutely. Well, thanks for calling me. Yeah, thanks so much for today. Listen and subscribe to Dame It All to Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Oh, shit. Thanks, friends. See you next week. You have to leave that in there. Just on principle now. <laughs> <laughs>